Africa rise and shine Africa zorza Africa amka na unai Good morning and welcome to Africa Rise and Shine. This is Channel Africa broadcasting from an African perspective in Johannesburg, South Africa. We're on the frequencies at 3345 kHz on the 90 meter band to Southern Africa and on a 5980 kHz on the 49 meter band to East and Central Africa. My name is Zikona Muso driving the show with Anne Musa, Figile Lingwati and Tabiso Luhuku. In our top stories in Africa Rise and Shine this hour, President Jacob Zuma will today unveil a life-size statue of late former ANC leader Oliver Reginald Tambo. Bongani Bongo sworn in as South Africa's new state security minister and Zimbabwe bans fruit vegetable imports to save scarce foreign currency. First it's time for us to check in with the news with Anne Musa. A very good morning to you. I'm Anne Musa. Four people have been killed in Togo in clashes between security forces and demonstrators calling for an end to a half-century of the Nyasingbe family rule. Police say one person was shot dead and around 60 others arrested in the capital, Lome. Another three died of gunshot wounds in the second biggest city of Sukure. Opposition activists have been demonstrating against since August against President Fonya Singbe's administration and say a constitutional reform he proposed would allow him to rule the West African country until 2030. Further doubts have been cast on Kenya's preparedness to hold a fresh presidential election next week. The original vote was nullified because of irregularities. Chairperson of the Electoral Commission, Wafula Chibukati, says his attempts to reform the commission have been blocked by colleagues, so it would be difficult to guarantee a credible ballot. Main opposition leader Rayla Odinga, who has already pulled out of the race, says the election should be called off. We cannot go to an election with an electoral commission where the chairman is hostage to a few commissioners. That's why today we are changing our clarion call from no reforms, no elections to no elections in October. Against a backdrop of growing violence and communal tension, the United Nations chief announced that he's heading to the Central African Republic to strengthen international support for peace. Antonio Guterres is expected to leave early next week and spend United Nations Day with peacekeepers to pay tribute to their work across the world. Since the beginning of the year, 67 blue helmets across the world have died in the line of duty, 12 alone in the Central African Republic. Guterres says it's important to remember that five years ago, the Central African Republic was experiencing mass atrocities. United Nations peacekeepers help avert the worst. Today, the situation remains very troubling. My visit also aims to draw attention to a fragile situation that is often far from the media spotlight. Across the country, communal tensions are growing, violence is spreading, and the humanitarian situation is deteriorating. The agreement between the Fatah-run Palestinian Authority in the West Bank and Hamas, which controls the Gaza Strip, is critical for a lasting peace agreement between Palestine and Israel. 
That's the view of the Assistant Secretary-General for Political Affairs, Maroloslav Jenka, who briefed the United Nations Security Council. The militant leadership of Hamas forced Fatah out of Gaza in 2007. The reunification deal brokered last week in Egypt's capital, Cairo, would allow the Palestinian Authority to regain control of border crossings. Jenka says the agreement was essential for a negotiated peace with Israel. The agreement is an important step toward achieving the goal of Palestinian unity under a single democratic Palestinian national authorities. The United Nations will continue working with the Palestinian leadership and the region in support of this process, which is critical for reaching a negotiated two-state solution and sustainable peace. And finally, South African President Jacob Zuma to unveil a life-size statue of late former ANC leader Oliver Tambo at the OR Tambo International Airport east of Johannesburg. The ceremony forms part of the OR Tambo centenary celebrations being held across the country under the theme Life and Legacy of OR Tambo. The event will be used to honour and celebrate his life and legacy. Tambo, who led the ANC in exile for over two decades, died in April 1993 after suffering a stroke. That's the news headlines at 30 Central African Time. Africa, rise and shine. Africa, Zorza. Africa, Amuka na Unai. Welcome back to Africa Rise and Shine on this day of a special broadcast where we are waiting for South African President Jacob Zuma to unveil a life-size statue of Oliver Reginald Tumble. This is all part of the celebration of his legacy. Uh, Lulu Gabu is out there with the rest of the team at the O.R. Tumble International Airport to bring us uh, all the news as and when they happen. Lulu, over to you. Thank you, Zikona. It is a special edition of Africa Rise and Shine. And good morning to all our listeners. We are at the OR Tambo International Airport, where South Africa's President Jacob Zuma will be unveiling a life-size statue of Oliver Reginald Tambo. Here, Oliver Reginald Tambo. This airport has been named after him in Ekuruleni in the Gauteng province in South Africa. The life and legacy of Oartambo. These are celebrations that will be that have been taking place and will be continuing until the end of the year. We are sitting here in front of me with uh, the general manager of the Oartambo International Airport, Bongiwe Piki. Um, GM, thank you so much, Mungiwe. Thank you so much for making time. It is a busy morning. The airport is a hive of activities. We were inside the, the, the airport this morning um, doing the normal stuff before we, we, we go on air um, to get our accreditation and everything. Just take us through the process. How does it feel? It is named Oratambo Airport, and now there's a life-size statue inside the airport. There's a, 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 a bus that will be unveiled by the President of South Africa, Jacob Zuma, later today, and the rename, official renaming of the Air Traffic and Navigation Services Auditorium and Tower. Take us through how you're feeling at this present time. This is a very exciting time for the country and for um, the Ekuruleni region. Oh, yes. Um, Lulu, um, thank you for the opportunity um, to you, um, and um, um, I'd like to also greet um, the listeners of, of the station. 
um, it really is a momentous occasion for us. In fact, it's an exciting time mm. because uh, most of us, um, you know, um, are in the age group where in, um, you know, in 1994, mm. we watched um, the contribution, um, the results of the contribution that were made by the likes of the late Mr. Oliver Reginald Tambo, mm. um, whose name we obviously bear. Um, and the relevance um, for us um, as an airport is a key national key point in this country mm-hmm. is that um, the 21 million passengers that pass through will forever remember that um, the, the democracy that we now claim in South Africa, he was one of the contributors. Mm-hmm. So today what's happening is there are two events. Um, there's the one that uh, we're hosting as the airports company South Africa mm-hmm. uh, here at our Tambo International Airport. And the second one is being hosted by air traffic navigation uh, mm-hmm. services. Mm-hmm. So the one that we are hosting um, will involve um, the unveiling of a statue, a mm-hmm. two uh, point meter mm-hmm. um, bronze um, mm-hmm. uh, statue. Mm-hmm. And um, the, and, and, and you know the researchers worked uh, with us and the family to identify the most accurate image mm. um, or relevant um, image of Mr. Oliver Reginald Tambo. Mm. You know his son Dali mm-hmm. um, he, he says that one of the fondest memories um, um, that he always has was um, his dad um, always arriving or departing. Mm-hmm. So um, what you'll see later on um, uh, depicts that. So that's what today is about. Mm-hmm. We're here to celebrate his life. Had he been alive um, he would have turned a hundred. And this month in particular mm-hmm. it also becomes um, important for us to to celebrate um, his life because um, uh, his birthday is also on the 27th mm, of October. Of October, yes. Yeah. Now, um, Abongiwe, this is this is a very exciting time, and you touch on a very um, uh, a key issue where his son Dali says his memories are of his father. C- arriving at home and, and his leaving. father leaving. Yes. So he dedicated a lot of his time um, to the struggle to see a democratic South Africa. In terms of his vision and some of his quotes, um, you know, just speaking of South Africa today and, and everything that is happening, and you mentioned the fact that um, with this generation, mm. you know, seeing the statue at the airport, um, you know, it's an international airport. This is more about not only people coming into our country and experiencing it and, and finding out who Oliver Reginald Tambo was. Mm-hmm. This is for the youth as well yes. in terms of the work that uh, he has done and the work that the foundation mm-hmm. um, of, of, of the late Oar Tambo and um, the late uh, Mrs. Adelaide Tambo. Mm-hmm. You know, it just speaking to the family and dealing with them and you know what else that that did come out of your discussions with them or you know you might you should have you probably spent a lot of time with all of them just to find out who or tambo was i think first and foremost um what what um what is also most uh touching for everybody Mm. is the fact that um you know sadly he left us a year before uh, we became a democratic state Mm. and in fact when he arrived back from exile in 1990, you know, take a guess the airport um, at which he arrived. So the, the, the emotional connection mm-hmm. that the family and the foundation, um, as well as key government officials, are mm-hmm. including um, um, the most senior, the president of the country, will be officiating today, mm-hmm. that they have with this particular airport, um, is one um, that, you know, uh, will forever, I think, be scripted in our history books. Mm-hmm. Um, and in fact, also the image that's been selected once I will 
will not uh, reveal much about it. It really shows that he was someone who was um, uh, going from country to country really trying to negotiate and ensure that um, the African National Congress, uh, which was obviously a movement that was in exile at the time, mm. did receive um, the support both um, you know, financially and otherwise so that it could oh. keep going at it, mm. which um, ultimately resulted in 1994. Mm. So those are some of the things that they shared. And obviously, um, you, uh, you know, um, I think there's also the sad part where in, I mean, in as much as Dali has found memories, but the fact of the matter, because of his conviction to ensure that there's equality for all, mm. there's a non-sexist society, mm. there's a non-racial society, mm-hmm. he, he opted to at times sacrifice the time that he should have spent with his own family. Mm. So those are some of, um, I think, the the memories that both the foundation and the family has shared Mm. with us. And I think just to mention as well, um, you touch on something very key, which which shows which goes to show um, the sort of person that he was in terms of, as you mentioned, his conviction and his his um, you know what he was giving of himself and sacrificing time with his family and his children. Um, I think one of uh, his former bodyguards, um, uh, uh, who is Brand South Africa chief executive today, uh, Kingsley Dr. Kingsley Mamabulo, mentioned the fact that um, it was a Christmas period and they were in Lusaka at the time. Mm. And he mentioned the fact that when he, they thought they were going to have a Christmas Christmas lunch, mm. he then changed everything and called everyone for a meeting and said, when they asked him about uh, Christmas lunch, he said, but uh, our people at home... Some of them are not even having Christmas lunch. The struggle continues. It's a daily, continuous issue that uh, we can't be celebrating whilst people in our b- back at home are going through difficulty. So this is just uh, just to, to add to um, what the family has said as well with regards to um, uh, the, the leader of the African National Congress at the time. Um, Bongiwe, I know it's a very busy morning for you and uh, we appreciate the time that you've spent with us. And we will definitely go and see um, the life-size statue. We saw it, but it was covered. We were here very early (laughs) and we can't wait to see it. And uh, thank you very much for spending time with us. Thank you for the the opportunity. That was GM of uh, the OR Tambo International Airport, uh, Bongiwe Beachy. And she was just giving us uh, uh, an update of uh, the statue and uh, of uh, the later... Oliver Reginald Tambo, which will be unveiled by South Africa's President Jacob Zuma later today. Um, and uh, as we've mentioned, this is a special broadcast, a special edition of Africa Rise and Shine. We're coming to you live from OR Tambo International Airport, where, as I've mentioned, South Africa's President Jacob Zuma will be unveiling um, a statue of uh, OR Tambo. And, uh, um, uh, you know, this is a very exciting time for South Africa, exciting time for um, young people and as uh, the GM has mentioned the fact that this should be uh, for everyone to see and for everyone to understand that as we go and as we enjoy um, uh, what we have in South Africa today, appreciate what we have in South Africa today and appreciate the fact that he gave his life for this country, the African National Co- through the African National Congress, mobilizing um, the world uh, globally in terms of financially assisting them, in terms of ensuring that the apartheid system was abolished, and unfortunately, he did not manage to to see uh, in terms of uh, democracy. 
the first election um, having passed away just before that. But, uh, you know, fond memories from his children, as uh, she mentioned, the fact that his son, Dalimpofo, and members of the family and the foundation uh, mentioned the fact, the time that they spent with him. And, uh, you know, as, 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 it, as it happens, uh, this, these are the memories that they have and the country is going to learn more about uh, the African National Congress leader, the later Oliver Reginald Tumble, whom the A- International Airport of South Africa, one of the biggest in South Africa, is named after. Now, the wife of then South African President Tabombeki in 2007 unveiled a new statue of Oliver Reginald Tumble in the North London suburb where he was exiled for 30 years. Zanel Mbeki joined Britain's Justice Secretary Jack Straw and other dignitaries to take the wraps off the bust in a park in Mosweli, Muswell Hill, um, near where Tambo lived from 1960 to 1990. A plaque was unveiled Outside his former home, the bust was sculpted by the late Ian Walter, who also created the bronze statue of former South Africa's President Nelson Mandela. Tambo's fellow ANC activist that uh, now stands opposite Britain's parliament. But uh, just to, 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 to mention, uh, Straw said his legacy was not just in the memorial or in paving the way for a prosperous and free South Africa. British Prime Minister Gordon at the time said uh, Tambo's vision of of a democratic and non-racial South Africa was an inspiration to millions of people across the world. This is a special edition and a live broadcast from the O.R. Tambo International Airport. So as and when we go, we will be changing um, the schedule and, and trying to speak to a number of people, a number of dignitaries joining us here. We are broadcasting outside the airport and we have uh, Minister in the Presidency uh, Jeff Khadebe and I must just mention he is um, a presidential hopeful of the African National Congress and we are going to chat about this and he is going to take us through about his experience and his dealings with uh, the late Oliver Reginald Tambo and I will not let him go as, until he touches on what is going on with the African National Congress, the oldest movement on the continent and the crisis that is going through there. Minister, thank you so much for joining us and it's great to have you on. Good Africa morning Rising to you Channel. and all your listeners. I'm happy to be here. Minister, this is a very exciting time, a very 100 years. It's the life and legacy of O.R. Tambo and uh, just going through some of the quotes um, that uh, um, the later Oliver Reginald Tambo uh, you know, mentioned uh, before his time, before he he knew anything was going to happen he did even mention the fact that some of these things are going to happen when he's not around um you know uh, he spoke of factions he spoke of, of, of divisions but not exactly saying that but some of the speeches uh, we we saw that uh, he mentioned that there's mention of the fact that he had speech writers who he would make rewrite his speeches a number of time before a number of times before taking the podium and not even using those speeches and going off the calf yes indeed uh, uh, oliver uh, oliver tam was one of our greatest icons mm. in the history of our liberation struggle in fact it will not be an exaggeration to say that Oliver Tambo together with Mandela and Sisul they are the real architects of our constitutional democracy. If you look at his history, being a teacher of maths and science, being a lawyer, being a man of God, uh, being a, a revolutionary intellectual, being a diplomat, mm-hmm. and also 
indicating Ubuntu. So all these uh, epitomizes what Oliver Tambo stood for, being a servant of the people, a very humble man. So that is why the president decided that this year should be the year of celebrating the life and times of Oliver Tambo so that we can be able to using his life experience to inspire especially the young generation about mathematics and education because we know that education is the future of any nation including our South Africa. Our young people need to be inspired by that bravery of Oliver Tambo who at a very young age together with Anton Lembete, Sisul and Mandela, they formed the Youth League in 1944, modernizing the ANC to be what it is today. Now, just to go back to some of the things that he said, some of his quotes, which is, um, a lot of politicians today, a lot of uh, leadership in the country use a lot of his quotes, and even globally, um, he, a lot of uh, b- b- leaders refer back to some of his, his quotes, most famous quotes, um, where he says, you know, Beware the wedge driver. Watch his poisonous tongue. Yes, indeed. Uh, that was in 1969 at the height of uh, challenges that the ANC was, for, was uh, uh, experiencing. You recall that uh, in 1967 there was that wonky campaign in Spolilo where mm. the uh, Umkondowesis were the combatants of mm. our people's army together with Zebra, which was part of the Zapu under Joshua Nkomo. They went into the then Rhodesia to fight against both the forces of Ian Smith and mm. John Foster, mm. where people like our heroes, Chris Hahn, mm. they wage heroic battles, but they also internal challenges within the ANC. Mm. That is why Oliver Tambo was talking about those wedge drivers, people mm. who are moving from ear to ear, uh, putting those wedges, uh, mm. creating divisions. Because the issue of unity has always been the foundation stone upon which the ANC was founded. That is why Pix Liga Sam in 1909 made the clarion call for Africans to unite. So these words by Oral Tambo reminds us even today when we are facing many challenges within the organization and South Africa as a whole that we should not forget where we come from. The vision that our forefathers and mothers paced for us that uh, we need to unite both as the ANC, as the alliance, but more importantly as the people of South Africa to build the democracy that Oliver Tambo uh, stood for stood and for. worked hard for. We've heard of his sacrifice. Um, you know, his family has spoken fondly of uh, but, but the, the GM Bungiwe Peak. You mentioned the fact that on speaking to Dudley Tambo, he mentioned that uh, on most occasions he remembers fondly seeing his father walking into the house and walking out of the house, um, the sacrifices that he made. What do you think he would say today to the ANC leadership and you as a, as, as, as a leader of the African National Congress and the, the crisis that the movement seems to be going through? Um, there seems to be a lot of, of, of factionalism. There seems to be a lot of infighting. And seeing today um, how now with, with how it used to be and and i think we're still learning as as the younger generation as to how it a, a leader is chosen within the movement and um, we have eight potential leaders um, vying for eight leaders vying for presidency uh, this is this is has never happened within the ANC um, we know from history that uh, the African National Congress every time there's about to be leadership change there's a bit of a struggle uh, within the party but has it ever happened before that it is it, 
the way that it is presently? Well, um, uh, my understanding is that also in the 40s, uh, when uh, Dr. Kuma was uh, elected the president of the ANC, there were many candidates. Uh, that should not be uh, looked at in a negative sense mm. because we are basically a democratic organization as the ANC. Mm. So when the branches uh, nominate, because those are the final arbiters in any organization, especially us as the ANC, mm. so there's no preordained thing that must happen. Mm -hmm. So the feelings and also the views of the ANC members has to be taken into consideration because conferences of the ANC, especially the national conference, is basically a conference of the branches of the ANC because 90% of the delegates are constituted by direct delegates from the branches of the ANC. Mm -hmm. So we need to allow that democracy to proceed. Mm -hmm. Very exciting times. Um, the statue is going to be unveiled. The president is going to be here in a, in, a, in a short while to to do this. How does it make you feel as somebody who's been within um, a government for one? Uh, I think you're one of the longest serving. I am the um, longest. You are, you are the longest <laughs> serving. <laughs> you are the longest serving uh, minister or leader in in, in government uh, as we speak. And uh, you know, how does it make you feel? It feels me very proud that uh, we are able to honor such a hero of our struggle. Mm -hmm. I'm also personally happy because uh, when we renamed uh, a young smart airport into Wartam, yes. I was a minister of transport yes, at that time. Yes, so, at the time. So I, I'm, I'm very pleased also for Or Tambo himself, his family, and the ANC, mm -hmm. that the people of South Africa, represented by their government, can own such an icon, mm -hmm. a person who mm -hmm. strode the Southern African scene like a real colossus that mm -hmm. he was. Minister, unfortunately, we have run out of time. It is a very busy morning. It's, it's a, everyone is very excited, and I think Indeed, a you lot must of go people, and see the 2.5 meters statue. We of have course. seen it, but unfortunately, it was still veiled. And uh, I'm sure by the time we go into the airport, it will be unveiled. We look forward to seeing Thank it. Thank you, you so Lolo much for spending time with us. Listeners. Thank Bye -bye. you. That was Minister and the Presidency Jeff Khadebe and uh, ANC Presidential Hopeful joining us and giving us what his take is. Um, and just uh, taking us back to the fact that when initially when the O.R. Tambo International Airport was renamed from Jan Smuts in the year, I think it was 2006, he was then Minister of Transport. Now, as we continue with our special edition uh, live broadcast from the O.R. Tambo International Airport, um, uh, we go uh, back to this uh, where the wife of then South African President Thabo Mbeki in 2007 and unveiled a new statue of Oliver Tambo in the North London suburb where he was exiled for 30 years. Zanel Mbeki joined Britain's Justice Secretary Jack Straw and other dignitaries to take the wraps off the bus in a park in Muswell Hill near where Tambo lived from 1960 to 1990. A plaque was unveiled outside his former home. The bust was sculpted by the late Ian Walter who also created the bronze statue of former South Africa's President Nelson Mandel. Tambo's fellow ANC activist that now stands opposite Britain's parliament. But Straw said his legacy was not just in the memorial or in paving the way for a prosperous and free South Africa. British Prime Minister Gordon at the time said Tambo's vision of a democratic and non-racial South Africa was an inspiration to millions of people across the world. And Nelson Mandela said in a statement that his closest friend and comrade during the struggle was also a resolute leader during the country's most difficult years. Let's hear what he had to say. Oh, 
A great giant that strode the world like a colossus. That's how President Tabumbege describes the seemingly greater-than-life ANC stalwart in a book Oliver Tambo remembered. Welcome to Albert Road Recreation Park in the London borough of Haringey. It's a council that embraced some of the prominent figures during the struggle against apartheid. It's also a council that embraced Oliver Tambo and his wife Adelaide. It was in 1990, 1960, when OR was instructed to travel abroad to establish an external mission for the ANC. The idea was to mobilize international support and coordinate the years of underground struggle that would follow. He set up home here for his family while he traveled extensively, educating the international community about the injustices of the then South African regime while keeping the ANC together. Today, the Haringey Council celebrates and commemorates his life with Oliver Tambo Memorial. But we'll bring you events as they unfold here. The First Lady, Zanellenbeg, the Minister in the Office of the President, Esop Pahad, British Justice Minister, Jack Straw, members of Parliament from South Africa and Britain, the Oliver Tambo family are some of the many dignitaries who travelled far and wide for this occasion. Let's now take a look at this background. When Nelson Mandela and Oliver Tambo travelled to London in 1962, they spoke of their hopes that a statue of a black person would be erected alongside the others outside the House of Commons. In August, Madiba travelled to see his likeness be unveiled on the site outside Parliament. Oliver would have been proud today if you were here. Oliver Tambo spent three decades in exile. His family made London its home, so it is perhaps fitting that his statue be located in the borough of Haringey, where he lived with his wife and children. Oliver used this house as his base as he travelled the world, boosting the profile of the ANC, setting up missions in more than two dozen countries. His wife Adelaide ran the family home and worked as a hospital nurse locally. When he was in London, Oliver was a major figure at the anti-apartheid rallies in Trafalgar Square outside South Africa House. Inside the High Commission, a mural of images from those protests shows him encouraging the crowds. The link to London, and more particularly to the borough of Haringey, is one that was valued by both the Tambos. In 1990, before they left to return to South Africa, Oliver and Adelaide were awarded the freedom of the borough. They were the first recipients of this prestigious honour. Obviously there was tremendous change going on in South Africa, and we realised that these two very prominent people would be leaving us to go home. So we felt it important in recognition of all the work they'd done throughout the anti-apartheid struggle. Uh, to honour them in, in this way. Earlier this year, following Ma Tambo's death, Haringey Council held a minute silence in her honour. Thank you. Haringey Council, in conjunction with the South African High Commission, has also inaugurated a science award in Oliver Tambo's honour. Tembi Tambo travelled to London to present the inaugural winners with their prizes. I think that for him, um, the joy would come from the fact that he studied science. He was a physicist and then he taught science. So to have this kind of relationship with Haringey and with the schools in Haringey, and to see young people taking up that sort of baton, coming enthralled with science and loving it the way he loved it, I think that would be something that would have excited him quite a lot. The statue being unveiled is based on this Ian Walters bust, which is displayed inside South Africa House. It will gaze out over Albert Road Recreation Park, where Oliver used to play tennis and the Tambo children would relax. 
The memorial park surrounding the statue will remember other South African anti-apartheid campaigners who made their temporary home in Haringey. Suzanne Chislett, SABC News in London. And what you hear in the background is uh, the national anthem that's sung by a choir that travelled also from South Africa. But at this stage, let me introduce to you Mike Terry, the Secretary General of the anti-apartheid movement in London for 20 years. Good afternoon, Mike. Good afternoon. Uh, it's nice to have you here. And uh, tell us a little bit about the background uh, to this event today. Well, it's a lovely story. It's an occasion to honour and remember Oliver Tambo. Uh, he, the Tambo's home was just a few hundred yards up the road from where we are now and we've just come from the ceremony where the plaque was unveiled and the statue with this being unveiled, the bust was made by the same sculptor Ian Waters who made the statue of Nelson Mandela which was unveiled just a few weeks ago in London and the bust is part of a memorial and the memorial is to remember and honour and celebrate the life of Oliver Tambo in this, what would have been his 90th anniversary. I'm very tempted. Uh, you were the Gen Secretary General of uh, the anti-apartheid movement yeah. for 20 years here yeah. in London. Um, um, just very briefly, what drew you to take part in that uh, movement? I think there were two things. First of all, there were the injustices of apartheid, what apartheid meant. And the other thing was the way in which there was too much support from this country for the, the white regime, for the apartheid regime. And a lot of people in this country realised that change would come quickly in South Africa and could have come much quick, quicker if there had been real pressure on the apartheid regime, real effective measures. And of course Oliver Tambo, if you like, headed the international solidarity movement as well as the ANC in raising people's awareness across the world that that kind of action was required. And of course last night uh, we witnessed uh, the launch of uh, a book, the mm, project, yeah, you were yeah. very much involved That's in right, it. Yeah. Um, but uh, at this stage, let's just, uh, uh, there was uh, that presentation by Glenam Thorpe uh, yes, yes, last night yes. which was uh, quite moving. Yes, absolutely, and we've just had the same or similar one now. And I think it's significant that for people in this country that they appreciate some of the history of, of, of South Africa and, and the culture of South Africa because we, we enrich ourselves if, if we understand each other's cultures. Let's just uh, get a, a clip of what Glina presented last night. It's time now for our news headlines with Anmusa.
A very good morning to you, I'm Anne Musan. The headlines, officials in Somalia say two people have been arrested in connection with Saturday's massive twin bombing that killed more than 300 people. Four people have been killed in Togo in clashes between security forces and demonstrators calling for an end to a half century of the Ngasingbe family rule and SADC facilitator for South Africa. Rather, for Lesotho, Cyril Ramaphosa has appealed to Basotho to not allow their differences to derail efforts towards peace and stability in the country. Those are the stories making headlines. We have great news for you. Channel Africa has gone mobile. If you have a cell phone, you can now download the mobile app for Android. You can get it on Google Play. Get the latest news from Africa. Get the Channel Africa app. Channel Africa, bringing you the African perspectives. Oliver Tambo's politics and leadership style were molded by his traditional rural roots and expertise acquired through education, both enabling him to reach and empower a broad mass of people, nationally and internationally. Welcome back to Africa Rise and Shine on this special day where um, a life-size statue will be unveiled of uh, O.R. Tambo. This is at the O.R. Tambo International Airport. And, of course, thank you to the team which was out there this morning, Lulu Kabu, uh, Pumuzolamakad, and the rest of the team there um, as we wait for that unveiling of that statue. And uh, moving on with the other news here on Africa Rise and Shine this morning. Now, in 2016, 7,000 babies died in their first 28 days of life. This according to a new UN report which reveals that although under five mortality has decreased, more still needs to be done to stop babies from dying the day they're born or days after their birth. Now most newborn deaths reportedly occur in southern Asia and sub-Saharan Africa. For more on this issue, we join now on the line by Kathleen Strong of the United Nations World Health Organization. Good day Kathleen, or rather good morning. Thank you for joining us. Good morning to you. Kathleen, what are the main um, uh, killers of a newborn baby? It's quite alarming stats there. They are, and uh, 80% of these newborn deaths are really due to three preventable and very treatable causes. The first one is prematurity due to complications of being born too early. The second are interpartum-related, so that's birth trauma and maybe lack of oxygen during delivery. And the third is infections that newborns are very, very prone to because it's a very vulnerable first 28 days of life. Mm -mm. Now let's reflect a bit on um, under-5 mortality. What's that picture looking like? Well, the picture is actually rather positive and and for the stats that are being released for 2016, and those are the stats released today, 5.9 million uh, under five deaths, and that's really down from 9.9 million in 2000. So we have a declining uh, death rate. But, of course, that's still way too many deaths. And as we heard from, from your intro, most of these deaths are occurring in two regions of the world. That's Southern Asia and Sub-Saharan Africa. 
Mm-mm. And a quite a disparity there um, with the stats that are coming through, um, with the fact that uh, newborns are dying more while there is some sort of progress um, in reducing the under five mortality. Um, have you found a reason for this? Well, yes. Yeah. So as the, the overall under five mortality decreases, what we're finding is the, the newborn deaths are making up a higher proportion of those overall under five deaths. And, and right now they represent nearly half of the under five deaths. And this, in, this will increase as the death rate uh, drops for the under five because this is a very vulnerable period of life. It's the first day mm. of birth and the you know, 28 days thereafter where lots of things are, you know, you, you, you need to actually have very good quality of care. Mm. And why is it that um, some of uh, a lot of these worry, worrisome statistics are coming through from these uh, two regions? Um, uh, what are the similarities there? Well, the main thing that we can do uh, to prevent newborn deaths is really improve the quality of care for both mothers and their babies. So that means we need to have really good, affordable quality health care that's accessible to everybody, no matter where they live. And that this uh, quality of care really should be immediate care for newborns. And this is support for breastfeeding and clean birth practices, such as cord and thermal care, newborn resuscitation. Um, these very simple actions can provide good care uh, there are medicines to treat the infections that newborns can be prone to, and under five uh, children as well, pneumonia. And these are still diseases that unfortunately claim millions of lives. Uh, one of the most important things is to have still birth uh, attendance during labor and delivery, and really educated and equipped health workers, and including those with midwifery skills. Uh, and the availability of essential commodities, including medicines. Mm. Well, Kathleen, thank you so much for just breaking down uh, some of the contents of the report. But for people who are really curious and finding out about uh, some of those key recommendations uh, housed in that report, um, is there a web page that they can go on to just gain more insight on that front? Yes, I think you can go on to the um, WHO site, and that is... You can look directly at the report by going on to www.childmortality, that's one word, and lowercases.org. Fantastic. Thank you so much for your time, Kathleen. We appreciate it. Okay, thank you. That's Kathleen Strong of the United Nations World Health Organization. She was on the line there from Geneva in Switzerland. And as you heard from yourself, for yourself, if you'd like to get more insight into that particular report, you can go to www.childmortality.who.org. Former Managing Director at Life, Essie Dimeni, says they did warn the Accounting Health Department against the speedy transfers of mentally ill patients to unidentified NGOs. Now, about 141 patients died as a result. Dr. Morgan Mkachwa says several children died in 2007 when more than 20 mentally ill children were moved to NGOs and he did not want a repeat of that experience. Mkachwa has been testifying at the Life, Essie Dimeni arbitration, which is underway in Johannesburg, South Africa. Usani Makubele has the details. 
After spending 18 years as a patient at government's Kalinen Care and Rehabilitation Center in Pretoria, 51-year-old Yako Stoltz was transferred to Siabadinga NGO in May last year. This is to make way for patients from life as demeni. During a testimony, Stoltz's sister, Sandra de Villiers, said she found him extremely hungry, thirsty and in a bad physical condition every time she visited him at Siabadinga. He was eventually taken to the Mamilodi Hospital where he died in October. Shortly before he passed on, de Villiers recalls a doctor telling her that Stoltz was severely dehydrated and needed to be immediately admitted to ICU. Speaking through an interpreter, an emotional de Villiers said 12 months on, she still doesn't know the exact cause of his death. On the 14th of October, around 12.30 at night, um, a nurse phoned me to tell me that Yaku had passed away. It felt as if a piece of, of my life was taken or ripped away from me. We were very close. Did they inform you of the cause of death? No, they did not tell me of which, of what, what was his cause of death. Do you know what is recorded on his death certificate? under investigation. For more than 30 years, Esidimeni Life was tasked with looking after mentally ill patients in Gauteng. But former health MEC Kadani Mahlangu suddenly pulled the plug in 2015, citing budgetary constraints. These against advice and warnings by experts and interested groups. Former managing director at Life Esidimeni, Dr. Morgan Mkajwa, who was equally emotional throughout his testimony, says he did tell department officials that the relocations could not be done in six months as demanded. We warned the department of the potential catastrophe that this haphazard process was going to result in. In one meeting, I got a shock of my life when the MEC said, when she grew up, she slept under the stove. So can these users... Mkajwa says as he realized officials were determined to push ahead, he suggested that government should buy out Esidimeni and take over the facility to ensure patient stability. But he never got a response. He said he even offered to help assess the facilities where the patients were being taken to, but he was never given contact details and addresses for the NGOs. In one instance, Mkajwa says he turned away an old open buggy that was sent to collect patients. He says Kaidani Mashangu told him she wanted out of the contract by March 2017 latest. We therefore were surprised to get that this had to be hurried over and had to be terminated in 2016. And in your view, the costs that were associated with your services were reasonable? Who can live on 200 rand per day, 300 rand per day for your medicines, grooming, place to sleep, food? transport personally impractical for me he says every patient left acidimini with a summary of their medical records but says it was very sad to see doctors such as suspended hod banisilivano forget about their hypocritic oath to prioritize patients and succumbed to political pressure Mukajwa says the whole experience was too traumatic for him hence his subsequent resignation from life acidimini I mean, when I hear 141, I go like, oh gosh. Each death at SCDMANI was thoroughly investigated. If it meant we questioned anything, we would take that body 
for a post-mortem. After that, we've identified the root cause, we then would put in corrective measures. Even if it happened in one facility, the corrective measures would be applied in all the facilities. So they were in good hands. Mkacho says he thought lessons would have been learned from a similar move in 2007 when several mentally ill children died after being moved to an NGO from Life Dimeni and that this would never happen again. He has appealed to doctors, especially those in senior positions, to always act in the best interest of patients. The hearings continue. I'm Wisani Makubele in Johannesburg. That reported by uh, Wisani there brings the time almost 10 minutes before the top of the hour. We cross her back now to O.R. Tambo International, uh, where Lulu Gabu is uh, there to um, uh, broadcast live for the unveiling of a life-size statue of O.R. Tambo Lulu. Thank you, Zikona. Just be, as we wrap, we just need to give you an update. This is a special edition of Africa Rise and Shine, and we are coming to you live from the Oliver Reginald Tambo International Airport, which was renamed Oar Tambo International Airport in 2006 by then uh, Transport Minister Jeff Khadebe. Today, it is the unveiling of a life-size statue of uh, the later Oar Tambo by South Africa's President Jacob Zuma. Um, this will be done later on today and there also will be a bust, an unveiling of a bust and official renaming of the Air Traffic and Navigation Services Auditorium and Tower. Um, this has been live broadcast from the Oratambo International Airport. It is a hive of activity as uh, the continued celebrations uh, of the life and legacy of Oratambo. Um, his birthday is uh, being going to be celebrated on the 27th of August. Uh, he would have been a hundred, uh, rather of October. He would have been a hundred years this year on the 27th of October. And as we close um, today's show, Africa Rise and Shine, I'd like to thank Zikon Amiso, who has been manning the studio in Johannesburg in Auckland Park. We have been broadcasting live from Oartambo International. The team here with me is uh, our producer, Pumuzo Ramagaza. Selina Ntobong has been bringing in S. We, you heard us speak to uh, Minister in the Presidency and uh, ANC uh, uh, potential President um, uh, Jeff Khadebe who joined us earlier. We spoke to the GM of uh, the Oratambo International Airport, Bongiwe Biki, and we also spoke to Professor Somato Figeni, who is a political analyst and our technical producer Mario Edwards with us here. It has been an exciting morning and uh, we will be back in our Johannesburg Auckland Park studio at the SABC uh, tomorrow bright and early 5 to 9. Zekwana uh, thank you so much for manning the studio, uh, Ronald Piri, um, Anne Musa on the news, Tabisolo Hoko on uh, Econdesk, and uh, Figile Lingwati with the sports. We hand over to you. Oh, thank you, Lulu. That was Lulu Gabu there out uh, live from the Ootamba International Airport where the President of South Africa is set to unveil that life-size statue of Oliver Reginald Tambo. And with that, let's check in with our economic update with Tabisolo Hoko. Thanks, Zekona. 
A number of British banks are likely to be investigated over new claims that they may have been used to launder money stolen from South Africa. The British Finance Ministry has referred allegations raised by former Cabinet Minister and anti-apartheid activist Lord Peter Hayne to the Serious Fraud Office. The BBC's Andrew Harden reports. Later today, Lord Hayne will name two British banks in the House of Lords. He'll cite whistleblowers who say the banks were used to launder money, allegedly stolen by South Africa's President Jacob Zuma and a wealthy business family, the Guptas. Both Mr Zuma and the Guptas have denied any wrongdoing. In South Africa, the scandal has already damaged the British PR company Bell Pottinger and the auditors KPMG. Leaked emails have fueled allegations that the Guptas bought influence at the highest levels of government in order to loot state industries. The world's largest primary producer of platinum, Lonman Mine, has expressed concern at the recent fatal shootings across the South African platinum belt. The mine has embarked on various measures to encourage mine workers to move towards tolerance calm and peace. The company continues to experience killings by unknown assailants. You're listening to Channel Africa. My name is Tavi Solohoku. Let's take a look at the financial indicators. The US dollar trades at 13.48 in South Africa. It's at 10.18 in Botswana and at 9.67 in Zambia. 75 pence to, to the British pound and 84 cents to the euro. Gold 1,000, dollars Platinum 914, dollars an ounce. The price of Brent crude oil is at $58.05 a barrel. Time now for our sports update with Fili Lingwati. We begin with football news in this hour. Sadio Mane has been named in Senegal's 25-man squad for their final final World Cup qualifiers next month. Even though his club Liverpool said last week the winger will be out for up to six weeks. Senegal would need two points to qualify for next year's finals in Russia and play South Africa away in Bulugwan in South Africa's Limpopo province on the 10th of November and then at home in Dakar on the 4th of November. Mane hurt his hamstring in Senegal's last Group D game in a 2-0 away win over the Cape Verde Islands on the 7th of October, after which Liverpool said the injury could keep him out of action for up to six weeks. And in cricket news, former Proteas captain A.B. De Villiers returned to a ODI side with a majestic century at the Eurolux Boland Park in Pal to propel South Africa to a 2-0 unassailable lead in the three-match series against Bangladesh yesterday. De Villiers says it's, a, it's great to be back in the side again. Yeah, it's great to be back. It's obviously a huge privilege to play for the team and for the country. Last few months I've been working really hard on my game and all I wanted to do is just to get back into the side. I was quite nervous starting off this morning um, when we lost two quick wickets there. Felt like my first game again and walking out to bat I was quite nervous and I told Hash, listen, we just got to get a partnership for the guys. It was important for us to get a partnership going again, which we did. And it was a real great privilege today to play for the boys again and to contribute. And we're moving now to... Boxing news, heavyweight champion Anthony Joshua says that he's in no rush 
to fight in the United States as he prepares to take on Frenchman Carlos Takam in Cardiff. Here is Anthony Joshua for boxing. Everyone talks about going to the States. I've heard news about going to, to the Middle East. I've heard news about opportunities in Africa. But I always say, like, in the UK, right, boxing is quite like a close-knit circuit. And I always know that, like, from my amateur gym and people that I grew up with in Watford, like, I give out a lot, of, a lot of tickets and stuff, and I help a lot of people in different ways to come to the show to experience. And I just think it's great that all these little kids and that and their parents can come to like watch a heavyweight title clash. That's why I'm not in a rush to go to the States. If the opportunity presents itself, so be it. But the reason why I'm not in a rush is because people have supported me for so long here. Let them enjoy it now. That's the Sport News this hour. Africa, rise and shine. Africa, Zorza. Africa, Amuka na Unai. Well, that's how we wrap up the special edition of Africa Rise and Shine this morning. It's been an absolute pleasure being with you this morning. And of course, uh, from the whole team this morning, from those who are out at the O.R. Tambo International Airport. And of course, uh, from us here in studio, myself as Economy So, my producer, Ronald Piri, and my technical producer, Sile Ndovu. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, Lulu Kabu will be back tomorrow morning, bright and early at 5 a.m., as she said. And uh, that's it for today here on Africa Rants and Shine. We'll leave you now with the sounds of the late, great Papa Wemba. This one is titled So Why. Enjoy.